Well, if you're just joining us, we're in the middle of a series, uh, actually towards the end of a series called Time, Talent, Treasure. And we're asking the question, how do we steward our lives well? How do we steward the resources that God has given us? So we, uh, the first week we looked at time, how do we steward our time well in a way that honors God? The next week we looked at talent, so your abilities, your gifts, your calling. How do you steward that well? And uh, today we're going to look at um, your treasure. And so disclaimer today, uh, we're going to be talking about money. And if this is your first uh, day with us, I am so sorry that this is a Sunday that you came on. Uh, if you want, you can get out and leave now, uh, but do it quick. We're going to lock the doors <laughs> once we get started. It's really awkward when a pastor gets up and starts talking about money, you know, because I know what it's like. You know, I know that many of us have uh, emotional triggers attached to money and People that ask for money, especially pastors that ask for money, and I know it's just weird. I don't want to cooperate the impression that God is only after your money, um, and so it's awkward uh, when pastors get up and talk about this, and I want to just let you in on maybe a little secret. I don't like to talk about money either. <laughs> you know, I don't, you know, I, it's, it's awkward. I don't like to talk about money. There's kind of a little conspiracy that we have going on. I don't like to give a sermon about money. You guys don't like to listen to sermons about money, and so, hey, we don't talk about it, and it's great. It's a great deal that we have going here, but here's the thing. It's so important uh, to talk about money because Jesus talked about money. You know, Jesus, when you open up the pages of the New Testament, Jesus talks about money a lot, actually. You know, more than sex, more than prayer, Jesus talked about money. In fact, 25% of the time that Jesus opened up his mouth, he talked about money. <laughs> you think, that, that's crazy. Can you imagine if every fourth sermon at fellowship was about money? We would empty this church, like, so quickly. Jesus talked about money a lot, and the question is why, and it's worth asking, why did Jesus talk about money so often? And it's interesting because, you know, think about it, Jesus wasn't a rabbi leading a congregation, needing to raise money for an annual budget, you know, to pay for a new associate rabbi because the synagogue was growing. Uh, Jesus was not raising money for a building campaign or a temple campaign to add a new wing on to the, to the you know, the temple sanctuary. Jesus was never even asking for money for the poor like Paul does sometimes in the New Testament. As far as, as we can tell, the only reason why Jesus talks about money is because he is interested in the human heart. And he knows that money is about so much more than money. And he knows that when he opens his mouth and he begins to talk about our wealth, he is simultaneously talking about the deepest parts of who we are. He knows that when he talks about money, he is simultaneously talking about the heart. And Jesus cares about your heart. Jesus, uh, he loves your heart. He wants your heart to be healthy. He wants to transform your heart. He wants to move your heart in a wonderful, joyful, generous direction. And so he talks about money. And so <clears throat> this morning, we're going to look at one of the most famous uh, passages where Jesus talks about money in the Sermon on the Mount. And what he does here in this passage is he connects financial giving with your heart. He says you need to give because giving is actually the best thing you can do for your heart. He's doing this in the Sermon on the Mount, and if you just kind of so you know the context, uh, the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' most famous sermon. He's giving a vision of the good life. Uh, he's telling us about life as it was meant to be lived, and like all everything that Jesus says, his vision of the good life turns our life, our, our vision of the good life on its head. And so what he says about giving here is so counterintuitive and it's so upside down in our culture. But again, he is saying it because he knows that when we give, it's good for our hearts. 
He's going to tell us three things that giving does to our hearts, okay? Uh, first of all, he's going to say uh, giving, uh, it reveals your heart. Secondly, giving releases your heart. And finally, giving cultivates your heart. So if you want a roadmap, there it is. Giving reveals, releases, and cultivates your heart. I wanted an R for the last point, but I just couldn't find one. Uh, so we're going to go with cultivates. First, Jesus uh, says, I want you to give because gi when you give, it reveals your heart like nothing else. Verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither wrath, uh, moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Stop there. Jesus begins with a command. He says, here's what I want you to do. He says, I want you to lay up treasure in heaven. And, uh, and he's also giving a negative command. He's saying, when you do this, he says, don't lay up treasure on earth. Uh, he says, I want you instead to lay up treasure in heaven. Don't do this, instead do that. And when he says lay up treasure in heaven, uh, the word treasure there, it's basically a euphemism for money or wealth. We know Jesus is talking about wealth because at the very end he says, uh, you cannot serve God and money. And so he's saying, I want you to give. I want you to give financially. I want you to, I want you to invest your life financially in God and his kingdom. When he says the word kingdom, he's not just talking about a place when, or the heaven. He's not talking about a place simply that you go when you die. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven now that starts now and goes on forever. He says, I want you to invest your wealth and your finances in that. And he says, when you do this, you won't regret it. This is the wisest decision that you'll ever make. Because he says, unlike treasure on earth, that is uh, destroyed by moths or, uh, you know, burnt up in fires or whatever. He says, treasure in heaven lasts forever. It cannot be destroyed. It cannot be diminished. It will go on forever and ever. It will be the wisest decision you will ever make, the wisest investment you will ever make with your money. But then he goes deeper and he says, I want you to do this finally because in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He says, I want you to give your treasure because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Now, have you ever wondered where your heart is? Have you, have you ever wondered what your heart loves the most? Have you ever wondered what your deepest heart priorities are? What Jesus says is the way to find that out is not to go sit in the corner and just contemplate, what are my deepest priorities? What are the things that I love the most? He says, don't do that because you can deceive yourself. He says, if you want to know what your heart really, really loves... He says, follow your treasure. Follow your money. If you want to know what your heart loves the most, he says, don't, don't, you know, contemplate, you know, and think about it. He says, look at your bank account. Look at your credit card statement. That's going to give you a window into your deepest heart's affections. So he goes on in verse 22. He says, the lamp of the body is the eye. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your body is bad, your whole, whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? He's talking about the nature of the human heart. He says, the heart is like your eye. And he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. He says, here's the thing about your eye. If your eye is bad, your whole body is in darkness. It doesn't matter how light the room is. It doesn't matter how bright the lights are. He says, if you can't see, if you're blind, you're in darkness. Your whole body's in darkness. In other words, he's saying, as the eye goes, so goes your entire body. He says, your heart is like this. 
As your heart goes, there goes everything else. Your heart is the control center of your entire life. And he says, if your heart is good, hey, that's a good thing if you're, for your life. But if your heart is bad, that's a bad thing because your heart directs everything else. And then he goes on in verse 24, and no one can serve two masters. For he will either hate the one or love the other. He will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. He says, here's another thing about your heart. Your heart is not a both and, it's an either or. Your heart is a singular sort of thing. Uh, it's not that your heart has lots of things that it loves. He says every human heart ends up loving one ultimate thing. In other words, he's saying everybody worships. Everybody's a worshiper. Everybody has one thing or at least a cluster of things that end up directing everything else in their heart. What is it for you, he says? What is it for you? What is the one thing that your heart loves the most? Everybody worships. It's not a question of whether you're worshiping or not worshiping, whether you're loving something ultimately or you're not loving something ultimately. The question is, what is it that you love ultimately? And Jesus says, here's the thing. Of all the candidates that you could put at the center of your heart, he says, money is the most common. He says, you cannot serve God and money. It's because money ends up be becoming so much more about money. You know, for, for many of us, money is not just, you know, dollar bills or, or, or a credit card. Money becomes things like security. And you save up money and you hoard and hoard and you, and you have a hard time giving anything away because your money makes you feel safe. It gives you ultimate security. Money ends up becoming things like your identity and your self-worth. You know, I am who I am because of the types of clothes that I wear. Or I am who I am because of the house that I live in or the neighborhood that I live in. You tell yourself that you have a self, that you're an important person because of the car that you drive. Money becomes things like identity. Money becomes things like power and prestige and, and, and a, you know, kind of a, a status symbol. And so he says, of all the things that could get at the center of your heart, he says, money so often is the most common candidate. And so here's the question. How do you know that, that money has become so important to you? How do you know that money has become the, 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 your deepest, greatest love? How do you know that? How do you know that that's happening to you? Well, the thing is, it's hard to know that. You know, it's hard to see greed in the mirror. You know, it's funny, as a pastor, people will come to me with all sorts of problems, and, you know, they'll come to me with uh, parenting problems, they'll come to me with marriage problems, pastor, help me with this. You know, they'll come to me with all sorts of problems. Nobody has ever come to me and said, pastor, I'm just so greedy. <laughs> Nobody's ever done that because everybody is just so sure that it's not true of them. Nobody thinks that they're greedy because greed is hard to see in the mirror. So how do you know if, if money is, has grabbed hold of you like that? Well, the best, the thing that reveals your heart more than anything else is giving. Your money flows effortlessly to the things you love the most. It just flows, it's so easy to spend on the, on the things that you love the most. And, you know, for me, I, I could care less about a car. I've got the, you know, maroon rust-colored Toyota Camry 1995. I don't care about that. I don't want to spend money on my car. You know, my house, maybe I care a little bit more about my house, but it's middle class. It's not amazing. You know, and I think, what do I love the most? Where does my money just flow off to effortlessly? And I was pondering that this week as I was sitting in my office, and then I saw all the books in my, my room there. Amazon, you know, Prime, boom, one click, off it goes. My, the way you spend your money is a window into what you love the most. 
You may, you may say that you're, you love God the most, but your bank account gives the lie to that. And this is why giving is such a touchy subject because it, it, when Jesus asks you to give financially, it, it touches on your ultimate love. It reveals to you where your heart is. Is it hard for you to give? You know, as we're doing this series, you know, we talked about, like I said, time, how to steward your time. You know, I love talking about that. Everybody wants to hear about that. It's fun to talk about it. And then there's talent, you know, how to discover your calling and discover your gifts. I actually love giving that sermon, too. It was great. And then we came to this, you know, your, your treasure, and I said, Sam, could you grab that one? He preached last week. Nobody wants to hear about money because it's a, it, it's a touchy shub- subject. It's awkward and uncomfortable because when you are asked to give, it, it, it gives you a window into what your heart loves the most. Jesus, remember he was encountered by a young professional guy, a rich young ruler, and the guy comes and says, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. What, what do I do to inherit eternal life? Uh, I've, got, I've got time. I'll give you some of my time, and I've got talent. I'm really talented. I'll give you some of my talent. I'll use that in your kingdom. And Jesus says, how about you give me your money? And he walked away sad. It's because when Jesus asked him to give, it had a way of revealing to him what was going on on the inside. Money reveals your heart. Giving reveals your heart more than anything else. It gives you a window into what your heart loves the most. And so money uh, reveals what's in there. Giving reveals what's in there. Second of all, I want you to see that, that giving not only reveals what's in your heart, it also uh, releases your heart. So notice he says here at the very end, no one can serve two masters. Either he will love the one or hate the other. Uh, he will be devoted to one or despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Do you notice the word serve there? The word serve there is the word for a serving, you know, a king or a ruler. And what Jesus is saying is that when money has your heart, money has a way of controlling you. You become the servant of your money. You know, when, 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 when your money and your wealth and, and the things that you own move into the center of your life, it's no longer that you have your money, but your money has you. It controls you. It enslaves you. And when money has your heart, it has a way of controlling your emotions. You ever notice that? Have you ever been up at night just racked with anxiety over money? You can't sleep at night because there's so, all your control issues and all your anxiety issues are all wrapped around and has their claws around your money. Money has a way of controlling your anger. Have you ever been so angry about money? Maybe you, you lost that deal or somebody messed up and, and, and lost a lot of money for you and it makes you so angry. Or does money make you angry? Does it control your anger? Money has a way of controlling our emotions. I remember when I was younger, there was a kid I knew in, in high school. He invited us to a, his house one day to have a lunch. So we were making bologna sandwiches and then his dad got home. And his dad like busted in the door. He was so mad. I mean, we all split out of that, the, his kitchen as fast as we could. It's because he couldn't stand that somebody was taking something that he owned. His, his anger issues were all around money. Money controls your emotions. If you love it too much, money has a way of controlling your decisions. You know, look at your decisions that you make. How many of your decisions are guided by money? Maybe your, your choice of a vocation or a career was really propelled by money. When I was younger as a college pastor, I ministered to uh, kids at Yale University. 
and smart kids, uh, you know, going somewhere in life, if you asked what they wanted to do with their life for their job, they had three things that they would always say. What do you want to do? Oh, I want to be a doctor or a lawyer or an investment banker. Why? Because that's where the money was. None of them wanted to be school teachers or social workers. I mean, were they all gifted that way? No, it's because mo- it was money that was guiding that decision. It narrowed down what choices they had for their career. So, so money can control your biggest decisions in life. Money can control your desires. Money is kind of like an addiction if you love it too much. You know, if you've ever been addicted to a substance, there, there's an ever-increasing desire with an ever-decreasing satisfaction. And so how much money does it take to satisfy a person? Just a little bit more. How much money does it take to put in your bank account until you feel safe? Well, just a little bit more. How much money does it take to, you know, to, to satisfy a person? Just a little bit more because there's an ever-increasing desire with an ever-decreasing satisfaction. It leaves you longing. It leaves you thirsty. It leaves you empty. I don't know if you've ever had a friend. I had one friend who was independently wealthy, and I remember just thinking, like, man, I oh, just daydreaming. If only I could be like him. If only I just didn't have to work for a living. I just had whatever I wanted. Ooh, wouldn't that be so freeing? The answer is no, because wealth doesn't free you. You may think it does. The more you love it, the more it enslaves you. Jesus says you cannot serve God and serve money because that's what it is. When you love money too much, it's a slavery. So the question is, how do you get freed from the slavery? Jesus is saying one of the easiest ways and the most pressing ways to do it is to give. Giving releases your heart. Giving breaks the hidden power of greed in your life. It's because every time you give your money, you just say, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna give this away. I'm not gonna hoard it or spend it or hold on to it. I'm just gonna open my hands, I'm gonna give it away. Every time you do that, you're telling your money, you don't own me anymore. Every time you give your money, you're saying, you don't own me. You're telling your money, you're just money. That's all you are. You're not identity, you're not security, you're not myself, you're not my approval, you're just money. Years ago, my dad, uh, he invested in a piece of property right during the recession, you know, in 2008, and just was, uh, he invested in this property, was paying a huge mortgage, and just, it was like throwing money into a garbage can, just losing money so quickly. And I remember calling my dad and saying, Dad, how do you feel? Well, you're losing so much money, are you okay? And my dad said the wisest thing to me. He said, Brent, it's just money. There's a quote from the great theologian David Swanson right there. It's just money. Every time you give your money, you're saying, you're not identity, you're not security, you're money. You're just a tool. You're, you're just an avenue for me to provide for a living and, and bless other people. people. And this is why people who, who are generous and people who, who give their, their, their finances away and their, and their wealth away are the most happiest people that you'll ever meet. It's because the joy is coming from a certain freedom. There's a book uh, called The Generosity Paradox. And um, in the book, uh, they did social uh, science uh, research, and they studied people, and and they found that people who were the most generous were the most joyful. And here's how they opened their book. They said, um, generosity is paradoxical. Those who give receive back in turn by sending our money, spending our money on others' well-being. We enhance our own standing. 
and letting go of some of what we own, we better secure our own lives by giving ourselves away, our, we ourselves move towards flourishing. And then they say, this is not a philosophical or religious teaching. It is a sociological fact. It aligns with the research. You want to be a happy person. You give your money away because that's where the freedom is. And they say this, the, ge the generosity paradox can also be stated in the negative. By grasping onto what we currently have, we lose out on better goods that we might have gained. And holding onto what we possess, we diminish its long-term value to us. By always protecting ourselves against the future uncertainties and misfortunes, we are affected in ways that make us more anxious about uncertainties and vulnerable to future misfortunes. In short, by failing to care for others, we do not properly take care of ourselves. It is no coincidence that the word miser is etymologically related to the word miserable. Hold on to your money, that's slavery. Lay up treasures on earth, that's slavery. That's a way to be mastered by money. If you want freedom, if you want joy, Jesus says you open your hands and you give your wealth away. Jesus says if you're a Christian, he says, I've given you an identity already. I already love you. You don't need your money. And one of the best ways to feel the freedom that Jesus gives us in the gospel is to break the power of greed by releasing your money, giving it away. Sharing your wealth with others. So giving uh, provides a certain level of freedom. And then uh, thirdly, I want you to see that financial giving cultivates your heart. I think this is such an important part of this passage. Uh, notice in the beginning, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now notice, Jesus is saying that giving reveals your heart. You want to know uh, where your heart is? You want to know what you love the most? Well, giving's going to tell you that. It's going to reveal your heart. But he's also saying that giving not only reveals your heart, giving shapes your heart. Giving curates your heart. Giving cultivates your heart. In other words, financial giving actually shapes what your heart loves the most. It not only reveals what your heart loves the most, financial giving shapes what your heart loves the most. And it's so important. Jesus is saying here that you're, you, you send that treasure out there, your heart's going to follow that. You want your heart to be in God? Well, then invest your treasure in God. If you want a generous heart, he says, begin by giving financially. It's important because many of us wait till we want to to give. We think someday I'm going to give, uh, you know, when, maybe when I make a lot of money or maybe when I, when I see that cause that really tugs on my heart. You know, God says he loves a cheerful giver. I'm going to wait to give until I'm cheerful about it. I'm going to wait to give until I want to give. You show me a video of, you know, starving kids in Africa, th th then I will give because if I want to, then I will give. And I, I, I want to suggest that that is not the way to go about it. I want to suggest that it's actually the opposite, that when you begin to give, you actually begin to want to give. In other words, where your treasure goes, your heart's going to follow it. So what Jesus is talking about here is putting a spiritual practice of giving in your life. Don't wait till you want to. Just put the practice of giving in your life. 
You say, I, I struggle. I don't know that I want to give. I don't know if I'm a cheerful giver. Jesus says, just put that practice in your life. Put a habit there. Develop a habit around giving. And you will find that as you just do that, your heart's going to follow. You're going to shape your heart into a generous, joyful, free heart center. So many things in life are like this. You know, I, I actually don't like running. I've always wanted to run, but I hate running, and therefore I'd never run. <laughs> I ran one time here in Batesville, and I almost died, so it didn't happen again. <laughs> but some of you, like, some of you are so good at running, and the thing is, it's, it's not like you said, ooh, I really want to run. Ooh, I really want to do that. I think I'll do that because I really want to. No, you just started to run. And the more you run, the more you actually want to run. Right, you know, just setting a practice, a discipline, a habit in your life actually changed your desires. This is the way classical music was for me. You know, I, you know, I never really liked classical music, and I thought, you know, I want to, I want to make my, I want to make my, uh, my cultural sensibilities better. And I just started listening to classical music, and the more I listened, the more I began to enjoy it. Uh, for some of you, the taste of coffee or beer is like, can I say beer? Can I say this? <laughs> it's an acquired taste. <coughs> Giving is an acquired taste. And please don't wait until you feel like giving to give. Yeah, God does love a cheerful giver. If you're just grudging, you just don't want to do it, and you don't care, and you want to hold on to your money, hold on to your money. We don't want your money. We don't want you to give grudgingly. But at the same time, do not wait until, you know, you really want to do it. Actually, just put that practice in your life, and you will find that giving actually shapes your heart in the right direction. Because here's the way it works. You know, so many of us will say, yes, I want to be generous. Of course, I want to be generous. At the end of my life, uh, when I'm six feet in the grave, I want to just look back and say, I've, I was a generous person, and I gave my stuff away, and I would just love people, and I poured myself. All of us want to be that. We could recognize that that's the right thing, and so we, we, we desire that. That's our vision. But we also want tacos, you know, we, like Nacho Libre. I want a hot body. I also want tacos. <laughs> right? I want to be generous. I also want some gap clothes, right? I want to be a generous human being, but I also, man, I've been watching Fixer Upper, and I want a house like that. I want to, I want to be a generous person. I want a big heart. That's where I want, that's what the direction I want my life to go in, but man, I wish I had a better car. And so how do you get this desire into your life? I, I think one of the ways that you do it, one of the ways that you develop a generous heart is through a continuous, habitual, spiritual practice of giving. Where your treasure goes, your heart's gonna follow. And no one can serve two masters. He will either love one and, or hate the other. He'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money We've got divided hearts. If you want to cultivate that heart and shape that heart, Jesus says, here's the way to do it. Put a practice of giving in your life. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, every time you make a choice, whether it's forgiving or any other choice, every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses into something a little bit different than it was before. And taking your life as a whole with all of your innumerable choices all your life long, you are slowly turning the central thing into a this central thing into a heavenly creature or a hellish creature, either into a creature that is in harmony with God 
and with other creatures and with itself or into one that is in a state of war and hatred with God and its fellow creatures and with itself. And then he says, each one of us, each moment is progressing to one state or the other. In other words, he's saying that the little decisions that you make are shaping the entirety of your life. And if you want the entirety of your life to be generous, you want to be a generous person, it all begins with small, little decisions. Make it a habit. Here's the thing. You're already laying up treasure somewhere. You're already spending your money on something. You're already investing. You're already giving. What are you giving your money to, and is it shaping your heart in the right direction? So Jesus says, giving is all about your heart. Money is all about your heart. Jesus is after your heart. He says, your heart is the most important thing about you. You know, you lose your hand, that's a bummer. You lose your heart, you're dead. Cultivate your heart, guard your heart, because out of it flow the springs of life. And he says, you want a generous heart. You want a heart that's invested in God. He says, the only way to do that is to lay up treasure in heaven. Giving reveals your heart. Giving releases your heart. And giving cultivates your heart. So let me uh, end here. I, I know that as I talk about giving, as I look out in the room, there are, some, there are people here that you, you are so generous. You've given so much money to this church. I thank you so much for that. You give money to other causes, and, and that is, you're doing God's work in the world. And there are so many people that... I, here that just are people of generosity. There are other people here that maybe you've never made that decision to give your wealth away. For whatever reason, you just, that's not a part of your life. And you're wondering, like, how do I do this? Let me just encourage you with a few little things. Number one, start small. Start small. You don't have to, you know, Rick Warren, uh, who's a big pastor of a big church, uh, rumor has it that he tithes 90% of his income and he lives on 10%. Lives on 10%, gives 90% away. You don't have to start there. Hey, a good rule of thumb is 10%. You know, if, if you, as you go through the Bible, you know, 10% is a good rule of thumb. But maybe you're not even there. That's okay. I want to encourage you to start where you are. Just like a little habit, like if you were starting running, you just don't run eight miles, just run like... 20 feet, you know, from the couch to the refrigerator. <laughs> right, just start where you are, but the point is to start. Jesus says, stop laying up treasure on earth. Begin to lay up treasure on heaven. You're already investing somewhere. Start giving your money away today. Put a habit in your life. It doesn't matter how small, but just put something in there because that little thing is gonna begin to shape your life into generosity. Again, I want, I want to encourage you not only start, but I want you to do it habitually. So whatever you, don't just, you know, okay, it's Christmas time, I'm gonna give this one-time gift. That's awesome, please do that. But I want to encourage you to put it in your budget. You know, somebody once said that, you know, peace of mind comes when your values are aligned with your budget. Put giving in your budget. Put it, put it in your monthly budget. Make it a habitual thing where you're doing it over and over again. It's a spiritual practice that over time begins to cultivate you. So sm start small, do it as a habit. 
and you can give to this church. I mean, we, I, I believe in the mission of this church, and I think that we're doing good work, and so I'd encourage you to give, you know, to, to this particular local body. But um, you don't have to limit it to us. You can give to all sorts of great nonprofits that are out there. This week, we'll send out an email of different nonprofits that are doing great work that if you want to give to, you can. We'll send that out in our newsletter. And finally, I want you to remember the gospel as you give. Here's the thing. Giving doesn't make God love you more. You know, you don't, you don't make God love you. You don't become a child of God by giving. You become a child of God by Jesus' giving. 1 Corinthians puts it this way. For, though, for, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. You are saved through the generosity of God. And he, you cannot make him love you more by giving. He already loves you more than you could ever imagine. But this is why he cares about your heart. He wants you to give, not because through giving you, you get an identity. You've already got an identity. You already have security. You already have a self because of what Jesus did for you. And Jesus says, I, I want you to give out of the gospel, knowing that you're loved, knowing that you are free. Exercise that freedom and give. And watch your heart turn into one of generosity and gratitude and joy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this, uh, this passage that you give us on um, the heart of generosity. Uh, generosity, financial giving, it really comes down to, down to our heart, the, the deepest in interior, in interior parts of our lives. God, I pray, Lord, that you would give us freedom. I know that we live in a culture that says, hold on to your wealth. Uh, pursue the American dream. Spend, spend, spend. Save, save, save. Lord, I pray that we would live your upside-down kingdom, that we would live the good life, your version of the good life, by opening our hands and opening our hearts and sharing our wealth and our possessions with others. Make us, Lord, a people of generosity. Through the power of the gospel, through your love, Lord, I pray that you would loosen our grip and our wealth and give us the freedom to give. In Jesus' name, amen.